Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six is the number to call. The text or the WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I don't know about you, I don't think anybody got a solid wink of sleep last night. The heat and the humidity. Oh my God almighty, what an awful night it was. And even when the rain did eventually come and torrential rain came in the early hours, sure it didn't cool it down. Not even slightly. Oh God, that's the worst night I've put down in my bed in many a long day. Cork, I don't mind. I don't mind telling you. Coming back this morning to our a uh, little bit of a local crisis, little bit of a, a local upswing in COVID-19 numbers. I've been taking a look at the data and comparing fortnightly figures. I'll get to that. And also looking a little bit more at the, the new cases that we have uh, had confirmed in Cork in the last few days. That and plenty more. Also returning to the dire situation facing the people of Beirut and how we might be able to help them. But first of all, I want to go to our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, uh, to talk about the discovery of a man's body in Cork yesterday, around midday, I think it was, Fiona. And at the moment, his death being treated with some suspicion by the Gardaí. Good morning. That's right, PJ. The Gardaí have said that they will be treating his death as suspicious pending the outcome of a post-mortem examination, which is due to get underway today at Cork University Hospital. And as you said, this discovery was made at around half 11 yesterday morning in the city centre, just off Parnell um, Place, near the entrance of the Merchants Key Shopping Centre. We heard yesterday morning that uh, the entrance to the shopping centre was being closed off um, and it later emerged that um, somebody had contacted emergency services because they had discovered this man's body. And Gardaí, um, they set up an investigation immediately. Now, um, initially, I think they thought he may have fallen, um, but I suppose with um, with a, with an injury, the man, it's understood, sustained a head injury and um, they have to examine 
all possible causes of his death and um, they have sealed off, they had sealed off the scene. The assistant state pathologist, Dr. Margaret Bolster, arrived at the scene yesterday and carried out a preliminary examination and a forensic examination was also carried out by um, the technical guardie yesterday afternoon and uh, just to determine the cause of this man's death. Now, we know this morning that yesterday they were saying they were trying to identify the man um, and they had very little to go on but um, it's understood this morning now that he was a 35 year old man who had been living on the north side of the city at some stage but um, it's believed he had been availing of homeless services in the city Um, and it's also believed that he may have been uh, lying deceased at the scene for a number of days. So again, Gardaí are calling on the public if they have any information with regards to the man's last known movements or anything at all about the man or about the days leading up to his death to contact them immediately and that would be treated in the strictest of confidence. A number of days, you say, Fiona. Now that's a quiet area, but it's not that quiet. No, and it's an area that would be uh, quite popular with people who avail of the Simon Communities um, Emergency Shelter, which is only yards away on Anderson's Quay. And it's a place where people would congregate. Um, and it's, again, it's it's just kind of off the entrance. So I suppose anybody going in and out of the shopping centre probably wouldn't have seen it. You'd probably want to have been walking in that area. So um I suppose that's going to all form part of the investigation. Yeah, Yeah, so Gardaí now are hoping that um, Assistant State Pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster will carry out that post-mortem examination at some stage today and that the results of that will determine the next course of their investigation. But I suppose at this stage now they have to keep an open mind on all possibilities and they are saying that they're treating it as suspicious pending the outcome of that investigation. Okay, Fiona, thank you for that. That's our senior News reporter Fiona Corcoran on the discovery of the body of a man in his 30s. He has been identified. Quite a number of um, mentions of his name on social media. Some of the uh, homelessness activists around town uh, know him very well. Uh, A man that I interviewed on this programme last year about living in homelessness was identifying overnight that he was a good friend of his. I, I'm not going to identify anybody until his name is formally out there. Uh, but uh, that being treated as suspicious, post-mortem expected to take place later today. 1850 We're going to take a look at Cork again uh, with regard to COVID-19 because yesterday we had a small number of cases confirmed. Uh, There was, as we said yesterday morning, a lot of finger pointing uh, and a lot of hype on social media. This kind of theory and that kind of theory and really very little of it um, possible to prove. Not saying any of it isn't true, but impossible to prove any of it. So therefore, not going into the detail. But we do know, uh, because according to the official numbers now, Cork's case number is up three since Monday. And we also know that there are more test results awaited in the next few days. And of course, the turnover of a test can be anything from 24 to 48 hours. Most of the time, most of the time, we believe people get their test results back within, what, 30 hours or so. But we'll wait that. And obviously, there'll be a, a new bulletin released this evening from Neffet. There was no additional cases announced yesterday for Cork. So we'll see 
But uh, we'll return to it next. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Each week we bring you the latest news from our vibrant and creative communities all around Cork. Whether it's tips for the best live gigs online, new initiatives from Cork's writers and musicians, join Elmarie Mall and Connor Tallon as we work to support and keep the arts alive in Cork. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96 FM. Now, yesterday morning when we were talking to Dr. John Sheehan about the latest developments in Cork, he reminded us of the, when we use the word cluster, we shouldn't get overly hit up about it because a cluster is two cases or more. Not 10, it's not 12, it's two or more cases. And we know that we have a two or more cases on the north side of the city right now. We've three cases reported in Cork since Monday, but two of them related uh, on the north side of this related to the north side of the city which you know that classes as a cluster Mervyn you've been thinking and you contacted us good morning Hiya PJ lovely to be on and what do you want to say to us yeah so I suppose the um, main thing that we were kind of, we were kind of expecting this to happen right that there would be a what's known as second wave coming along and we knew especially that the people who had to go back into work into the shops, uh, for example, or into the service industry broadly, uh, would be kind of on the front line of the second wave. So, and just from my own experience, you know... Are you talking now nationally or locally? uh, Both, definitely both. Like, um, even like internationally, you know, you see the same in the States and in the UK that the people who are more likely to be kind of picking this up are the people who are interacting with hundreds of people a day. And I suppose in my own experience, just living in Farron so many people I know work in that service industry. So the fact that people are in my area getting uh, getting sick is no surprise. But by really. service industry, now what kind of jobs do you mean? Generally? Just generally kind of uh, you know, shop assistant or uh, barman, uh, barman who've become wait staff, um, uh, people working in hotels. You know, it, these are... Essentially, at this stage, these are high-risk jobs, you know, being exposed to so many people every day. The last time I looked at the figures um, and the tracing, there have been no cases actually traced to the reopening of the restaurants and the the restaurant-style pubs. Right. Well, I haven't seen those figures myself exactly. I had looked at the NFES figures last night, and to be fair, like, they're pretty low still. Yes. So certainly in I Cork, suppose, anyway. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, it is. It is. Uh, I suppose again, looking at the national picture, it's commuter areas like Kildare. You know, where there is a second lockdown happening. You know, that almost certainly looks to be linked to people going to work. Mm. Um, so I would argue that you know we opened far too quickly, put the economy 
far and above the health of our people. You know, this second wave has already killed people. Well, the big, the big problem we seem to have with, with Kildare, Offaly and, and Leash is connected to, in, 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 a, in a considerable part, to meat processing and food processing. Exactly. And that is, you know, it comes back to our industries and our desire to put the, you know, moving the economy forward first. You know, uh, what happened to putting, you know, people's health first? And well, the, the meat industry never, never never closed and neither did supermarkets or any of those. Well, a lot of them should have, shouldn't they? See, you can't close the meat industry, Reverend. You can't. You absolutely so, can't. Well, they've proven that they can't do it safely. Mm, yeah. You see, you can't close... I, mean, I did a little bit of research into this at the weekend. And, and if you Google the export lists and if you google the client lists of companies like dawn and keypack and when you look at statistics like a 20 percent of all mcdonald's hamburgers sold in the eu are using meat exported from ireland you know you cannot close that industry down also i looked at supply chain i consulted a friend of mine who worked in supply chain management You'd have empty shelves in four to five days. You can't close the meat industry. All you've got to do is operate it carefully. Okay, then we need to hold these, uh, this industry to account. We need to start, you know, instituting stricter safety standards than are already in place because clearly, uh, and better inspections for sure. Uh, listen to employees when they say that we are working in unsafe conditions yeah. and follow up on those complaints because I've no doubt that employees are the ones who are the first to, to see these issues. Um, just from, you know, again, looking at the Amazon fulfillment, uh, for example, seeing the employees there complaining about how closely they have to work together and how it's social distancing is basically impossible. You've seen the same complaints in the meat industry. So uh, we definitely need to follow up on those complaints and, you know, issue either guidance or whatever may be necessary to protect those uh, workers. What's interesting about the supermarket situation is that even over the, the height of it, we have very little emerging from supermarkets. Which just says that we can do this right. Yeah. 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 So, so where do you think we should go now, Mervyn? Well, I mean, you live in, you live in Farinry, so we have, and, 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 and you know, the, the word is used carefully because the definition of a cluster mm. is two or more cases. We know that we have a small cluster on the north side and that more mm. tests are awaited in the next few days, the results of more tests. Are you concerned now? Uh, I'd say I'm more concerned with the vilification of the people from the north side. That, you know, you looked on social media and you'd see, oh, it's because they're having house parties and this, that and the other. Yeah. And it's, you know, as if, well, first of all, I think that's... There's no proof of that. Of There's no verification of that whatsoever. Absolutely. And second of all, you know, what's the there aren't house parties happening all over the city or the country. Like, there's absolutely house parties happening everywhere. Why, you know... And to be fair, what? all of the public health experts have advised against doing that. Absolutely, yeah. We've, like, throughout the last few months especially, we've seen, you know, as people become a bit more complacent, an increase in this kind of risky behaviour. So, you know, I suppose the only thing I could say to that is that People are kind of becoming a bit, yeah, complacent, um, and listening to the the, the advice from the uh, from NFS and from the HSE. I mean, that's really the best we can do at the moment. Are, are you worried that things could get worse? 
There is always the fear there, but I suppose to credit where credit is due, the government's response has been mostly good. Uh, you know, we were maybe a bit slow to to lock down maybe a week too late, but, yeah. you know, us, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we are definitely doing on the better half of the world uh, with regards our response overall. Do you think that they should have gone, come down or cracked down harder on international travel inwards? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the fear is, you know, you, you see the number of tourists from high-risk countries now coming in and uh, and the stories of you know, how many 40-odd percent that they couldn't even follow up on um, for the contact tracing afterwards or for the um, quarantine checking afterwards. Like, it, it's completely inadequate. Yeah. You worried about, are, you, are there any people in your family or you're in your circle who will be school-going? Uh, I do have a couple of teachers, uh, primary and secondary teachers, all right, in my in my um, friend group. And would they and be worried about uh, what might happen in a couple of weeks' time? Uh, definitely, definitely, they're 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 uh, very worried because, like, one of them in particular works at the life centre, and huh? she knows that you know uh, this this is if, if the kids aren't going to feel safe going to school, and you know, for some of them. Getting out, getting to school out of home is like a great escape for them. Uh, you know, she's worried what what they're going to do. You know, if they can't, if they don't feel safe going to school and they don't feel, you know, comfortable staying at home, you know, it, it's it's a kind of a lose lose situation for those kids. So, you know, we owe it to the kids to have done this right. All right, Mervyn, thanks for your call to the opinion line, 1850-715-996. Yeah, do a bit of research in, into the meat industry and you'll discover, it, yeah, yeah, sure, there's some plants have closed down now in the Midlands in the three locked counties, Leash, Offaly and, and Kildare, and you could sustain that level of local closure for a while but you couldn't sustain closing the whole industry. It just wouldn't be able to happen. In fact, we'll be talking later about meat factories. There's a meat factory in the south of the country has now been warned it may be forced to close over COVID-19. Just looking at figures, and again, I, I said yesterday I would give out the correct address for the hub because it's changed once or twice. We had a complaint yesterday, was it Sinead was on saying she can't find the figures and she went looking at the hub and they haven't been updated. I have that uh, proper link to it, which I'll give you at some point. But just looking at the 14-day figures, which is what the public health people give out and give out quite frequently. So let us look at today, which is the 13th of August. The the 14-day figure for Cork. So from now back 14 days to two weeks ago today, that 14-day figure for Cork is now 23. Go back last Thursday and take the previous two weeks. That figure was 15. So that's quite a jump. That's up, if you want to do it in percentages, that's 58%. Now the numbers are still quite small, but go back a month. Go back into July. Take the 14-day figure for Cork on the 16th of July. That was 15 was the 14-day figure. Go back two months. Go back into June. So two months ago, Thursday the 18th of June, the 14-day figure was 7. So certainly since June into July into August, we've gone from 7 cases per fortnight in June to 23 cases 
per fortnight as of today the 13th. So it's a small uptick in Cork, but it's there uh, and we need to be damn careful of it. And when those test results come in that are awaited in the north side, we will hope against hope that things won't get any worse. I'll give you that address. This is the official government hub to look at the data. You can look at maps, you can look at your electoral area, you can look at your county, you can look at graphs, you can spend hours playing with the figures. Now, it's a big, long address, so what I'm going to do is get you to get a pencil and paper or something like that, and I'll give it to you next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self-service laundrette. Your one-stop for everything. It's time to vote in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Go to 96fm.ie, check out the shortlist for all the categories, and vote for your favourite. Your favourite. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Only on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, that hub for the numbers. Uh, for the, you can study the graphs, you can study them to your heart's content. It, it's fully updated about every 48 hours. The, the last up to date figures are for. Tuesday evening, I think, at this stage. It's www.covid19ireland-geohive, that's G-E-O-H-I-V-E, dot hub dot A-R-C-G-I-S dot com. Yeah, it's a big, long one. I'll do it once more, and I think we might share it. www.covid19ireland hyphen geohive dot hub dot arcgis dot com that'll bring you straight to the information pages and there is a lot of it there Mary says there's talk in the media this morning about hot bedding that's absolutely disgusting is this even allowed the government should step in with the inspections of meat factories their accommodation and the direct provision centres. Well, the hot bedding thing, Mary, you're right, there is talk in the papers about it this morning, and effectively what, what we know, anecdotally at least, is that lots of the workers in meat factories, they're foreign workers, an awful lot of them, and that they, they, they use dormitories, dormitory-type accommodations, so you could have 10, 20 of them living in one small group, and because they're not paid much and because they don't have transport, they tend to share cars, they tend to travel in, in groups together, and that's where the where the virus uh, takes hold. If you've one person, particularly if they're asymptomatic, if one person, they go and they sleep in their dormitory, sure, before you know it, you've got a dormitory full of COVID-19. But hot bedding, dormitory accommodation, very common. And again, that's the problem with direct provision centres. People living in huge, or huge groups in, in small rooms. And that's how it'll spread, like wildfire. 1850-715-996. I will come back to COVID-19. We'll be talking, as I said, about the meat factories later. And also, if you cannot wear a mask, and I know there are people out there who simply cannot wear a mask. Having difficulty myself today, I'll explain why in a while. 
But we'll come back to that also uh, throughout the course of the morning. But John, you, you live up near Bell's Field, do you? Good morning. Morning, Peter. How are you doing? Yeah. Yes, I, I'm a local resident there. Okay. What have you been? What have you been? What have you been seeing over the last while? Uh, well, there's an article on the Ecuador last Tuesday about all the rubbish that's piling up there uh, every weekend. Uh, I've been on to the city hall about this before, and even some of the local TDs. Uh, for the last couple of years, uh, Bell's Fields have been left there like a dump tip on weekends. Uh, the corporation do clean it Monday to Friday most days, but they don't clean it at weekends. Yes, uh, last Sunday, after I picked up five bags of rubbish myself, I would tell I go out Southside and see the conditions of their parks. I went out to the lock. There was about 10 bins there, all empty and clean. I went out to Balcarn Park, same situation with four bins, empty and clean. And I also went to the park, uh, Shannon Park, there by Albert Road. So basically, they're just ignoring the steel at the weekends and cleaning the other parks in the Southside. Mm. Did you contact the council? I've been on to me, I think that some of the main people there at the moment are uh, on holidays. Uh, but I sent them some emails and I've gone to the local uh, TDs here in, in the north side. So you believe uh, that Bell's Field is not being collected? Absolutely not. Uh, like I do, if I truly know the area, it's a very scenic spot. Ah, yeah, no, uh, I mean, the, it's a place that's come to international fame now through Young Offenders, for example. Absolutely, absolutely. But on a sunny evening, you could have up to 200 people up there sitting down relaxing, maybe having a drink, whatever. Um, but we've only two bins there at the moment, and they're, every day they're overflowing. And there's a space for a third bin, which we've never put in. But the, the main issue is that the bins are not collected on weekends. Yeah. John, Whereas on the south side they do it. Perhaps they do. Oh, I know they do. I know they do. That's a fact. Okay. Just a query with regard to people, like you say, gathering in lovely places like Bell's Field, and you mentioned Fitzgerald's Park, and you mentioned the Lock, and Shalom Park. God, it's a while since I heard anybody mention that one by name. But when you go and you have your gathering in Bell's Field with your, like you said, your few cans, or you might have a picnic or some sweets with the kids or whatever... Can you just bring your own stuff home? Well, you can, I suppose, to be fair, but at the same time, the bins are provided far later, right? And to be fair, I've noticed for quite a while that most people over there leave their litter at the side of the bins. They don't discard yeah. it all over the field. But it's just bins cannot cope with the, with the amount of stuff that's there. I'd say like, at least maybe 200 people on a good night up there. And, yeah. you know, to be fair, if the corporation cleaned the bins every day, and provide an extra bin to make a huge difference. Yeah. And would and they it, be it, cleaned? It, it, would they be cleaned during the week? They do, to be fair. They do try and clean them Monday to Friday, but they do not do it on a Saturday and a Sunday, which is the busiest time of the weekend. Yeah, the, you mentioned I, the, you mentioned the uh, the Echo, and I'm reading from from that article it, where it's it quotes Stephen Scully from the council's right. recreation yeah. and amenity department, who said that Bell's Field is litter picked and the bins are emptied every day by the parks crew. Monday to Friday. There's a problem, he went on to say, with people dumping domestic rubbish uh, and compound, compounded at the weekend by people obviously enjoying the space during the good weather, but littering the place rather than taking their rubbish home. No, that's, that's true. I, I know there's a little bit of uh, domestic ru- uh, rubbish being put up there, but that's happening all over the city, unfortunately. You know, um, like, you know that's hard to, to, I suppose, combat, but my theory there is, to be honest with you, I, I spoke to some people here who, from Poland who, who work here, and uh, they say it's not a problem over in Poland, for example, because everyone pays for refuse. So I would say in City Hall, why not look at other parts of Europe and, and see what do they do? 
Um, but it's, it's not a, a, enough of a response, I think, to say that because of a little bit of domestic rub, rubbish being put in there, that it can't clean the place at the weekends. Yeah, fair point, fair point. John, thank you for that. That's uh, John, resident up near Belfield. Go out himself, goes out himself picking up bags of rubbish and stuff at the weekend. His argument, for what it is, is that he believes that the council is neglecting Bell's Field at the weekend while clearing other places on the south side, like the Lock, Fitzgerald's Park and Shalom Park out there in Black Rock. I like the show, says this caller, but I'm always baffled by PJ ranting on about people taking their litter home. Don't we all pay taxes? And doesn't the council get a load of money from them? We pay that for basic things like litter to be sorted, not fancy twinning ceremonies or slippery paving stones on Patrick Street. Or, 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 I could go on. We do. We pay taxes for the council and for all the services that you mention. But we could also help. Do you know what I mean? We could also help. Could we not? Go to the beach, go to the park, go for a walk. Do you know, just bring your own junk home. And dispose of it in your own bin. It's as simple as ABC. 1857 says, no water in Douglas Road, we're told. No water in Douglas Road happened without any warning. We're not sure what's happening. On COVID-19 and the meat factories, it emerged this morning, we're being told, Frank tells us this, that in Offaly, 40 meat workers were sharing the same house. That's a recipe for disaster. It is all of that, and that's what is referred to, Frank, sometimes as hot bedding. Mag says on the flip side of what John was saying, she was in the park in Carrigaline yesterday with the kids and it was absolutely spotless. The bins were empty, the equipment was clean and the general area was a credit to those looking after it. And it's busy, busy, busy down in Carrigaline these days, Mags. Uh, just a travel update for you. The N71 is impassable between Lep and Ross Carberry at the turnoff for Carrig Fodder. It's a local road there. Uh, there's flooding and in Roscarbury itself, there's some flooding as well. The Roscarbury Glandore Road is also impassable in places due to flooding. Try to use an alternative route. There was flooding in Blackpool overnight. We think it's okay now. Uh, but the downpour of rain about 3 a.m. was just something colossal. Didn't cool the night down, though. 1850-715-996. Now, Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould joins me. Thomas, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You're trying to get another uh, unit opened for kids on the ASD spectrum. Where? Well, PJ, I believe that any that every school where possible, where they have the space and where they have its suitability, should have an ASD unit. Uh, I've been inundated with calls over the last couple of weeks. Uh, with families who have no place for the children to go, um, with families who are waiting on assessments. And, like, PJ, you know yourself, right? You, you know this from your own personal experience. Uh, families and children in particular are being denied an access to an education that they vitally need. So what I'm saying to the Minister, uh, I've asked my... I've asked all the TDs in the constituency to come together across all parties, keep politics out of this, is to come together to fight for these children because someone needs to to be their voice and to stand up for them. And Cox City has one of the um, the worst 
situations for waiting list for children trying to gain access to ASD units. It can be very slow. You can be waiting for a very, very long time. And PJ, for, the, for these families, um, like, they have to fight for everything. Like, why are their children uh, different to other children? Every, every child should have the right to an education. Mm. And what I'm saying to the Minister, I'm not looking to blame the government about this. I'm looking to be constructive and come up with solutions and say, if do you need additional spaces that if no one is offering to do it, that the minister should step in. The, the, she has the power to do this, and she should enact it. Right, the the NCSE, which handles these things, the National Council for Special Education, says there are 40 ASD units in Cork North Central at present. Now, that's each unit is a minimum of six, so that, that's a minimum of 240 places. That's right, that's right. But the problem then, PJ, is there's only 15 for secondary. Yeah. So, and... Like, that's always been, been the problem, Thomas. That's been, that's been the problem since Christ was a child, since Bat O'Keefe was Minister of Education. The fact that the numbers in primary don't match the numbers in secondary. But there's a problem with that, and maybe here's something you could raise with, with Norma Foley, and, and, and it's this. Richard Bruton said that schools would take would have to take on an ASD unit if one was required, but schools can still refuse and are still I, refusing. I, I believe that's wrong. I believe like you might have very limited situations where it doesn't it's not possible for some schools to do it. But on the whole, more schools should be able to put in an ASD unit and for some reason some schools are refusing to do it. But the minister has the power to Correct. force these schools Correct. And what I'm saying is, let the, let the call go out now to schools and Cork to put in additional ASD units, and if it's not done immediately, the minister should step in and four schools, where there is a need, in the localities where there is a need for a unit, the local school must provide it. Gra- Graham Manning, it, who's a regular contributor to the programme here, and uh, probably one of the leading experts in Cork on ASD units and, and, and the like, He's pointed out to us that it was Richard Bruton who brought in the power of the minister to force the hand of the school. But it's never been done. And that's the problem with it. Like, we're, we're trying to be constructive here, PJ, right? But the, the problem is, in 2018, Pierre Sarty raised this issue. Uh, we've raised it a number of times. But Pierre's in particular, we had 3,500 children waiting for services and assessments. No, it's 5,000. We know the situation is getting worse. And our point is no, and the point I've raised, I think it was the second issue I raised in the Doyle, uh, that these children are being denied their rights, and it's not fair, and it's up to us as TEDs to come up with solutions, and the power is there. Like, they've done, they did, the changing of the law was the initial work that needed to be done, but that has been done. So we just need to take the next step now and where there is a need for additional places for children who need to be educated in ASD units, that it's done. And, like, what are we waiting for? Why is the minister waiting? I, I think, like, I'm talking to these families, PJ. You know these people. So oh, I only had somebody up. on the telephone, Thomas, to me uh, two to three weeks ago, somebody that I know in tears, um, 
waiting to see would their little lad have a play. Miraculously, he got a place. It was just things fell in, fell into place for him. But but there, be, there should be no parent in tears at the end of July wondering does a child have a place on the 1st of September because you wouldn't worry about that if, if it was a, a, a typical child, shall we say. Going to mainstream. And Peter, think of the 1st of September now there are going to be children in Cork North Central and Cork City who will have no school to go to. How can that be right? I think like, it's not right and it can't be accepted and I think it's our job and I'll work. Mick Barry has given a commitment to support me. I'm waiting on Paulie O'Sullivan and Colin Burknow to come on board. Okay. To come try, on to, board. try to get Norma Foley to actually use her power. Before I let you go, uh, Thomas, and this will come up, I think, at some stage in the programme, what do you make What do you make of all the senators who've been collecting a handy wedge of expenses while they were locked down and weren't travelling to the Doyle at all, or to the Houses of the Oireachtas at all? Well, I was actually sort of surprised when I heard this yesterday at PG for the first time. Um, like, I don't know how this is after happening, you know, and I'm assuming now that the senators who are after getting these expenses will return uh, for the days they haven't travelled, will return the money to the uh, to the exchequer, and I think they have up to the end of December to do that. So... I, I, maybe it was just that the direct debits went were set up and it went through normally and they haven't got... Uh, you see, the government is such a shambles that no one knew what was happening. It went on for so long. But like, I think anyone who uh, who hasn't been sitting needs to return the money, 100%. OK. All right, leave it there. Thanks, Sinn Féin TD. Uh, Thomas Gould, 1850-715-996. Let us go to West Cork. Claire's contacted us about the floods. It's it's bad down there, is it, Claire? Good morning. It's not great. Fairly biblical this morning, all where, right. Where are you? I'm in Conanna, which is halfway between Ross Carberry and Lepp. It's Conanna, not shop. Canona. That's me correcting No, it's Conanna, yeah. <laughs> I've not been calling to be it Canona with... forever. No, no, no. And don't confuse it with Connor in North Cork no, either. No. Half our post goes there. <laughs> anyway, today is, I would say, unprecedented in the amount of water that we've had overnight. We have a shop here, the Old Mill Stores, and I'll tell you, it'll be a brave person who comes, but we're open. But nonetheless, the bridge at Conanna was closed because the river had burst its banks. The fire brigade came. It's been pumped out. And the road has now reopened. Now, I'm not sure about Ross Carberry, but I know that the area between, say, the Celtic Ross Hotel and the turn, the courthouse there, the turn for Glandor, that was blocked as well. So the N71 was in a bit of a state this morning, all right. And actually, we were woken in the night with the heaviness of the rain. Oh, that was savage rain. Savage rain. Savage. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now, as far as I can tell, the roads are all open. There was a diversion in place, all right, but we're back in business again. So I think we're okay. And allegedly, it's going to stop <laughs> at some point. Well, well, I think the the rain, the worst of the rain, may be over us now. We get some more showers, I think, this yeah. evening in between some sunny spells. But the worst of the rain is over. Thankfully. But I think the the problem is that the the banks of the rivers are still tremendously high. Do you know what I mean? And if it does keep raining, I don't know. I I presume we'll be all right. 
But yeah, no, no like one hurt or no damage no, done, was there? No, no, not as far as I know now. There is a lovely little pub in Conanagh called the Beehive, and there's also Conanagh House, which is a, a lovely old Georgian house. I don't know how they fared. Now, the Beehive is not open currently, but nonetheless, it wouldn't be very pleasant if there was an ingress of water. But I, I haven't been able to get down there. It's about maybe three or four hundred metres down okay. the road from us. But I, I hope all is well there, that it didn't actually come in, you know. But, I mean, measures were taken maybe five years ago. We got a second bore on the bridge there on the river. But I think that nothing could have coped with the amount of rainfall we got last night. That was something savage. it really was. I reckon there was about an inch and a half of rain fell last night just in in, in the space of an hour or so. Claire, thanks very much. That's Claire Graham in Conanna in West Cork at the Old Mill stores. How do I measure that? <laughs> You're going to laugh when I tell you. Um, I leave a bowl out at night for, for my cats because they both like to go out at night. It's summertime. The cats like to go out. That bowl is full this morning. Full of rainwater. They were lapping it up at half six when I was watching them. Full of rainwater. And it's two and a half inches deep. And I had put about an inch of water into it before I went to bed. So there you go. 1850 um, Liam and Sean are in Glandor. Uh, they're not able to come on the air about the flooding because they're too busy messing, allegedly working. But hello, Liam. And hello, Sean. Can I remind you as well, the voting closes today for the Best of Cork Awards closes at midday today. So if you want to vote for your favourite category, and I'll read some of them out for you a little bit later on, go and vote between now and midday. Go to www.96fm.ie and vote for your favourite in the category. They close at midday, then we chuck the whole lot into a big computer, it gives us out the results, and we will be calling out the winners and announcing the winners tomorrow, right across the day on Cork's 96FM. We will be talking about masks. A lot of people have been contacting us to say, look, I simply can't wear a mask. I'm allergic or I have asthma or whatever. And people are saying, look, don't be trying to force us all to wear masks because some people genuinely can't. Now, the regulations such as they are say that if you genuinely can't for whatever reason, you don't have to. But Damien, good morning. What do you want to say? Hi, PJ, how are you doing? Um, I just want to preface this by saying I don't have any medical training or qualifications, but really, if somebody can't go around wearing a mask, should they really be going outside during a pandemic? You know? What if they have to? Give me some examples of why they have to. Well, uh, somebody, single parent, with a couple of children, who needs to shop for food. Oh, sure, you you can do your online shopping. Like, if, if, if a mask is uh, causing in, in, that... In the middle of the countryside? Where your local supermarket is, where everybody goes? They're all doing delivery now. There's hardly any market hasn't taken the, the, the opportunity. In fact, it's, it's actually... A byproduct of this is... I know Jason has a lot of three vans on the road now, where they had one. So it's actually created opportunity and employment. I, I just think it's a little bit of an excuse. I think that if you can't wear a mask, you really should be cocooning because you know 
I, I don't buy that. Well, what about people they're with... Not what about they're not people? Yeah, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. What about people with, um, say, frontline jobs, important jobs, who take public transport? We now have to wear a mask on a public transport, but they may have a, a skin allergy that doesn't allow them to do that. Dermatitis, for example. What do you say to those people? Well, I should get one of the clear visors. There's more than one way to skin a cat. There's that as well. There's that as well. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I mean, look, the extreme of it, thankfully, we don't have in this country. The extreme that we, we've all seen on the viral videos from the States, um, etc. But, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's com- common sense is what will get us through most of this. And, unfortunately, it's also having the opposite effect where there's a lack of... You know? All right, Damien, thanks for that call. No, th- where this came about was I was mentioning yesterday that if any shop wants to put up a sign saying no mask, no entry, I absolutely endorse their right to do that. Someone contacted the show a bit unhappy with me about that. We'll get to it later on. That, you know, what if you can't actually physically can't wear a mask? Caller says, is Damien for real? Does he expect people to stay at home for the rest of their lives because they can't wear a mask? Well, he says try a visor, and, and visors would appear to be more comfortable, certainly. Not as effective, but more comfortable. Most people, apart from those with a psychological issue, can wear a visor, says this caller. It works for people with breathing problems, with skin problems, etc. I know it's not as good, but it is playing your part to the best of your ability. I have breathing difficulties, and I wear uh, a visor, and Martina also on. Uh, she said uh, can people be careful with disposing of masks outside in Blackpool shopping centre yesterday? We're flying through the air. I saw a little five-year-old fascinated by them, picking one up when it landed on the ground and trying to fit it on. For goodness sake. Again, what is wrong with people? Bring your junk home. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Yeah, you now have just under two hours to vote for your favourite in whatever category you choose in the Best of Cork Awards. Just under two hours. We close polling at 12 o'clock. So get in there and vote for your favourite. For breakfast, it could be Lab 82 or the Liberty Grill or Market 18, Tony's Bistro, Yum Cafe. Choose any one of those to vote for. But the barbers, it could be the Lancaster barber, it could be Peaky Barbers, Topman Barbers, Brooklyn Barber, and Sportsman's Barber Shop. There are a shortlist in that particular category. And for the best restaurant, it could be Bob's Bar and Restaurant, it could be Scoozies, it could be Eco's, it could be Il Padrino or Luigi Malone's. You've all got your favourite on that list. Get on to Cork's 96FM, www.96fm.ie. You have one hour and 53 minutes left to vote. We have had colossal numbers of votes so far. And we'll throw them all into a computer at the end of the day, and the computers will select the winners, fair and square, and we will announce them tomorrow across the day. 1850-715-996 Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696 Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie We're on Twitter at OpinionLine96 with the hashtag hashtag OL96 
and of course the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. You can message us through that, but please do, if you can at all, if you can think of it, mark your message for the attention of the opinion line. Let us go back to the subject of masks. I'm about to talk to Deirdre, who just can't. She says she just can't wear the mask. And we, after the show yesterday, I mentioned, and again, look, I said it, and, and I kind of, in a way, stand over it. If some premises wants to put up a sign that says no mask, no entry, and if a premises wants to put someone on the door refusing to admit anybody who isn't wearing a mask, that's a matter for them. And and I don't have a problem with it, me personally. But after the show yesterday, we got a note in from Laura, who also attached it with a picture, and it looks dreadful and painful and sore. I was listening to PJ, she said, I'm upset. I'm allergic to face masks of any kind, be they plastic, be they cloth, disposable ones, reusable ones. I have an autoimmune condition. I can't even go to a shop. My husband has to do the shopping now since COVID. I'm allergic to face masks. I'm allergic to antibacterial spray, to some fabrics like even wool, polyester, to plastic, to nickel, to nuts, to eggs. I have a severe reaction and my skin starts to burn and I have my airways clog up and I can't breathe. I can't even go to hospital appointments sometimes. I was upset when he said no mask, no entry. What about us with severe allergies? And you know what, Laura, that's... uh, Sometimes a message to the programme will open my eyes and and ask me, request of me to to look down another path, which I'm happy to do. Um, I must be desperately sore for you. And you sent us a photograph, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy of the the reaction your skin has uh, to, to one of your allergies. Now, Deirdre, it's not with you. It's not allergies with you, is it, Deirdre? It's claustrophobia. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Oh, yeah. You can't wear I'm, a mask? Uh, well, I can, but I, I, it'll be 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes will be, um, maybe 15 minutes will be the max. So, um, you could run around Super Value in that time, could Well, you? that's it. That's it. Literally, you're there and you're going, how long will, I, will this take me now? Will I have time now to do this? Will I have time to do that? What it is, is it's, it's claustrophobia with me. Um, as you mentioned, so I will start hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'll I might move the bottom part of the mask then up a small bit, yeah. just to give myself a bit of air, and I'll calm down a small bit and see can you know can I get another few minutes and whatever. But eventually, I'll have to pull down the mask because I'll get dizzy, lightheaded. I'll actually. Um, it's like it's like you're trying to breathe through. Um, people have one mask on, but I might as well have about twenty on, because I'm trying to breathe through that. And the more I'm trying to breathe through it, the worse it's getting. The sweat will pour out through me, and I know people are sweating with masks on, but this is this is uncontrollable. Um, like and is there no point in be- reminding yourself, Deirdre? Look, I'll be outside in the car mm. park in a minute. I can take it off in a minute. Just keep going. See, if, if if it was that easy, if it was as easy to control it as that, I'm sure that, that's, you know, I'm an intelligent person. Uh, a lot of people might disagree. But, um, and I have tried 
down through the years. I mean, I'm much better now than I used to be. Mm. But, um, you know, like I can't get into a lift if there's more than two or three people inside. If there's more than two people inside in a lift, that's it. I'll wait until a lift comes along where I can get into it. Which is useful at the time because they only ever want people using the the lift now in family groups or at least on your own or whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's useful at the moment. It's just that feeling of suffocation and uh, uh, I think it's... Look, if there was a way to overcome it, I'd absolutely try it. But I mean, Deirdre, I'd try... a, a quick question: Like, I know mm. no, nobody was comfortable wearing masks mm. at, at the start. Mm. They're, it's horrible. I, this it's horrible. I absolutely mm-hmm. hate it myself. Uh, you know, it'll never be comfortable. Mm. I'm not going to lie; it'll never be comfortable. But I, what I did personally, mm. me was I practiced. So yeah. I sat at home at night reading the paper with a mask mm. on. To get used to the sensation. Um, mm. Would that work for you to practice? It's not even, you see, I think to understand um, claustrophobia, people have to understand that it's not, um, it's not something that, it's not something that you can mindfully in the, in, in the front of your head you know what I'm saying? You can't overcome it like that. You can't think people, your way through it, can you? You can't, because if you could, I would have done that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm a very realist person, and I would be and I would be a proponent of people wearing masks. I would say to people, I, I mean, I've been uh, working from home since March. You know what I mean? I've been doing all the things that I should be doing. But last weekend, I was shopping, and... Uh, I got halfway around the shop and I just had to. I had to take down the mask. My hair was wringing with sweat. I I thought I was going to pass out. And I had gone as far as I could. Now, the point I was trying to make is that do I make myself sick, physically, physically sick um, to do this um, when... I can't, like, I don't know what more I can do to be able to, to wear the mask. So I'm, I find now that I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, do you know what? No, I can get 15 minutes here. Um, I'm avoiding places where I know I'm going to be longer. So I'm restraining myself from going out. I'm restraining myself from meeting people because I don't want to be around people if I can't wear a mask for more and, and than 15 minutes. And that's an uncomfortable way to, to have to live. It's horrible. Like, could, could you, but I mean, I'm would, acceptable. Would, you, could you get help? I mean, I, I have someone on the other line. Hold on there, Deirdre. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a man I haven't spoken to, to Brian in, in, in quite a long time. Hypnotherapist Brian Evans. Brian, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Been a while, mate. Um, Deirdre's situation is, is, is not uncommon and wearing a mask is damned uncomfortable for the best of us but for someone with a problem like chronic claustrophobia like what can she do? Well it's, it's a very common problem to be honest PJ um, at, the, at the base of it, it it's a fear and that fear has been learned she wasn't born with that fear uh, consequently she can unlearn that fear as well and not just me, but many therapists could help her with hypnotherapy. Um, she, she could come and see me, and I'm pretty confident I could help her in just a couple of sessions, maybe even one. Um, that, that fear, the source of that fear, is probably from when she was a child. It's an early experience of being 
perhaps closed in somewhere. Um, maybe it was a prank by uh, another child locking her in a cupboard under the stairs or something. Yeah. And, and that fear can be overcome and unlearned. It's quite simple. Something it's she's simple. forgotten about, say. Yes. Yes, yes. And in, in, in the course of hypnotherapy, what do you do? You try to unlock the source of the fear and then say, well, now we know what caused it. Would it well, can, can it go away then? Um, it can go away very simply and very quickly, like I do with all fears. Um, you deal with it with regression. You take them back to prior when the event happened. Um, and I, I literally unlock that fear and it releases them and they feel tremendously better mm. once they've unlocked that fear. Deirdre, would you, be, would you like to find out what the cause yeah, of it absolutely. is? Absolutely. God almighty, that it does. Do you know what now, PJ? <laughs> that sounds like, uh, yeah, I would, absolutely. Like, because I, I, it's not just getting into a list. Um, like, I have severe um, problems, like, getting on a, a plane. Like, I have a fear of, of not flying, per se, but heights, uh, being in that small area, not being able to get out. Um absolutely like I'm I'm a bit better than I was but I mean I used to have to take medication yeah and they're, everything. they're all related Deirdre yeah mm. We might set you guys up to have a chat off the air. Just, just stay with me for a second more there, mm. Brian. Um, in in terms of the the COVID nineteen lockdown, you know, it changed a lot of lives, and and I think myself from the people that I've been talking to on the show and meeting just friends and family, it's changed a lot of people, and a lot of people may need the help of someone like you when well, or if this I'm, is all over. I'm getting a fair few calls now with social fear people actually going out as well, uh, agoraphobia, um, visiting friends, they're, they're actually frightened, uh, even going to mass. Um, people are restricted, and one way of doing it, again, is releasing that fear. Yeah, yeah. And, and has, mm. has, has lockdown made new fears for people, as it were? Well, I, I think the new fear is, is the, the actual fear of COVID itself. Um, you, you, you remarked a little while ago, PJ, about reading the newspaper whilst wearing a mask. Yeah. That is one way I would suggest to people is just by uh, baby steps of wearing the mask at home for just a few minutes mm. and then increasing it on a daily basis yeah. um, to five minutes to ten minutes even half an hour, just mm. to see how they go on. Yeah. As, as um, Deirdre said, though, the fear starts in her the minute she puts it on. Yeah, I wherever she is, that. and that fear yeah. has been inbred from when she was very young. I'm pretty confident of that. Right. Well, you know what we might do? We might put you guys in touch off the air and, and see Brilliant. what happens. Uh, Brian, always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, hypnotherapy. Listen, don't knock it till you try it. I know people have gone to Brian and have been able to give up smoking and give up all sorts of things and cure all sorts of fears. But Deirdre and Brian, thank you very much. Deirdre Cneely Condon and Brian Evans, a hypnotherapist. It's a, it's a fear, a claustrophobia for Deirdre. For other people, it's a physical condition uh, that, that makes it difficult. This I've just been handed a press release from Tesco. And I have to say, fair play to Tesco for their latest idea. Tell you what it is next. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie It's time to vote in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Go to 96fm.ie, check out the shortlist for all the categories, and vote for your favourite. Your favourite. The Corks 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Only on Corks 96FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award Winning Talk Show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 96 On Corks 96FM. Unsigned WhatsApp message, I have COPD and I still wear a mask. Hello PJ, solution to help that caller is get a proper mask, e.g. a U-mask biotech. It's expensive, but it's a totally different experience. As well as being easier to breathe, it's also much safer. I found it difficult with the other masks, whereas with this I could wear it all day if I needed to. I was dubious about the cost, but once you try it, it's definitely worth it. That comes in from Cleaner. D on WhatsApp. Hi, PJ and the team. I personally take offence to Damien's comment. Now, Damien was on before 10 and he kind of started this conversation for us. He said, if you, if you can't wear a mask, then just don't go out. Stay home. Um, after the death of my sister and brother-in-law this year, they were both in their 40s. A man still in hospital for 14 months couldn't attend his daughter's funeral had no visitors over COVID and his grandchildren are pining. They're confused. My elderly, my eldest sister struggles to wear a mask, might never leave her home. She's only in her 40s. As for me, I wear my mask. Of course, yes, I struggle, but I will get up and go out as I have a 13-year-old who depends on her elders, parents and teachers to help her and others through this pandemic. Love the show. Thanks, Dee, for that. Tesco have come up with an idea. Uh, they will give out a thing called a sunflower lanyard. Lanyard, that's one of these things that goes around your neck like a little chain, isn't it? Like a little badge. Well, Tesco's are going to give out a sunflower lanyard to people who can't wear a mask. It's to reduce judgment to people who don't have them. Uh, Help for hidden disabilities. They They are available now in all stores. You don't have to prove that you have a disability. Just go up to the counter and you can get a sunflower lanyard in any participating store. Just ask at the customer service desk or the checkout in smaller stores. They're free. You don't need any proof. If you're wearing it, our colleagues will recognise it and understand that you have a hidden disability or a reason why you cannot wear a mask or that you might need a little bit of extra help or a little bit of extra time. They don't want to know what your disability or problem is, just that it's difficult for you and you face extra challenges. That's a wonderful idea coming from Tesco's, the Sunflower Lanyard. Also, the jam card. If you have a jam card, call yesterday from uh, my buddy, uh, Kieran Delaney, who was instrumental in getting the jam card circulated uh, in this part of the world and certainly more than instrumental in getting it accepted on buses and trains. The jam card stands for just a minute. And if you have autism or any kind of a a disability or a a problem that slows you down uh, and you present the jam card on a bus or in a shop or wherever, uh, 
it says just a minute. Apparently, the jam card, people who recognise and accept jam cards will now, on production of your jam card, allow you not to wear a mask if you can't wear a mask, which is a brilliant idea. 1850 715996. What about all those senators and all that money? Like, lads, they were pocketing wedges of cash. Wedges of cash for travel. <laughs> While they weren't traveling at all. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The world's number one Cork trad supergroup, the Kaylee All-Stars, play a very special show which will be recorded live for a new album. The show takes place at the Kino on Washington Street on Friday, August 21st, with tickets now available at kinocork.com. Access all areas. Following three sold-out shows last December, ABBA Forever returned to Cork this Christmas with a smash hit show celebrating ABBA's music and a loud and proud production featuring audio-visuals of original ABBA moments. It takes place on Tuesday, December 1st at Cork Opera House. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, they didn't list them off by name, as in who got their expenses, because they all got it. A couple of them have said they'll give them back or one or two have said they won't take them but the Irish Independent had a piece yesterday saying that senators had been awarded attendance and subsistence payments for April and May despite the Shannon having been closed at that time. Now a senator's salary is 68,100 and something euro which is a, a handy wedge for anybody to be getting senator. Uh, on top of that, on top of that, they get an average of 4000 a month for what they call a parliamentary standard allowance. 4000 a month to cover travel and expenses and running an office and keeping it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply computer and all that kind of thing four grand a month in the months of April and May the Shannon didn't sit so there was no travelling going on but they still got their four grand a month Pat great little country isn't it a great little country you know PJ listening there about the COVID-19 virus you know, 240,000 cost for these senators. They'll buy a lot of equipment for frontline workers, you know. Good. And it's an awful thing, like. But I, I'm looking through the list. Ivana Basic there in Dublin, she didn't look for any expenses. She doesn't either because she's not too far from that. So she hope. refuses to take them, that's right, yeah. Yeah. But then again... You have David Norris, who's not so far from the whole side of it, they're getting 2,912 for the two months. Yeah. You know? And I, I, I think it's, it's disgraceful, really. France is back the same. Michael McDowell, the man could do it, right? Senior Council, 2,900. Then you had Jerry Bosworth in Lombard. Yeah. They got 6,500 each. Yeah, it's based on it's it's based on how far away from the Shannon you live. Well, but but yeah, if the place is locked down, what difference does it make? So, so that's the whole point, like PJ, is that like I mean, the the, the place is locked down. So how could they claim expenses? Now it's a standard payment, and they, they don't have to, like you and me, if we're handing in expenses. If I'm handing in mileage expenses we, we to, to my boss, I have to put in mileage. I have to put in details of my miles and the whole thing. You know, my yeah. wife works in a job where she occasionally gets to claim a bit of expenses. She has to. You, you want to see that detail? She has to go into. But this is a, a flat payment given out based on where you live. But sure, if you're not travelling, what do you want it for? Exactly. You know, for the point that I, I even want to TDs. Like, I mean. There should be no such thing as votes payment because they can be, they, they, they can just put any, anything that they can. There's no questions. Yeah. They could be staying in a three-star hotel and booking for a five-star. There's no one knows. You know. They did now. That to be to be absolutely fair, they changed a lot of it in in recent years. Uh, there was a time when uh, TD or a senator got a, a nightly allowance no. to stay yeah, somewhere. Yeah. And what they used to do was, and I know because I know people who used to do it back in the day, was they'd go to a hotel in Dublin and they'd say, here are my dates, I'll be staying here every night. And they do this from, say, September to, to May. We'll be, I'll be here on all of those nights. Now, are you yeah. telling me they paid full price? They didn't there. I know, that's been sent, yeah. They got a discount like anybody would for that kind of block booking. So, <laughs> but the money was still paid to them. But to, to, to have... Senators and like you mentioned too, Jerry Bottomer and, and Tim Lombard and, and, and no, this is no slight against either of them they're just two senators from Cork they would have got money every month yeah. while they were sitting at home now they were, look, there's no doubt they were working they were doing Zoom meetings and ah, yeah, yeah, but I they know, weren't travelling they weren't travelling like, and Dennis Donovan from his Cork former colleague yeah, 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 yeah. he got 7,000 you know, I, I mean I don't know, it can't make sense 
All right, yeah. Pat, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, I think, to be fair. Okay, PJ, thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers. 1850-715-996. Politicians were deemed to be essential workers. And the dolls sat in the reduced capacity. Remember that there were only about 12 of them, or was it 30, I think? 34 of them were allowed in to the cha- to the chamber before they moved out to the convention centre, which looks, ut- I'm sorry, it looks, I know they're doing it for social distancing reasons, it looks utterly ridiculous. It looks just mad, stupid. But the, the, the chamber itself then had a handful of them in it. The, the Shanna didn't sit at all in April or in May. So here's a question, and Jerry Bottomer, I know, listens to the programme. Uh, and normally, in August, Jerry would be away on holidays, but he's not at the moment. I know he's, he's in Ireland. So, Jerry, or anybody, I'm not pointing Jerry out, but maybe I am. How much did you get to travel in the time that you weren't travelling? And are you going to give it back? Same goes for Tim Lombard. 1850-71, or anybody else, any, or Dennis Donovan, any of the Cork Senators. 1850-715-996. So I want to talk for a minute to Don O'Leary from the Cork Life Centre because Don, it's a sad old day for you and for your colleagues uh, we hear the passing of brother Gary O'Shea a man I think I met once up in Sunday as well, tell me about brother Gary, good morning Good morning uh, PJ, you're right it's a, a very sad time for for his family um, he was one of ten um, he was the founder of the Life Centre I suppose, you know, when he founded in 2000 he, he was after returning from a year years of teaching, and he had gone to the Caribbean, uh, to Trinidad, um, and he worked in the life centre over there. And when he came back, he set about starting one up in Cork, um, and and he went into the the what well, used to be the old monastery of Blarney Street Boys School, which was a bit dilapidated at the time. And you know, as he he often said himself, he had to go into a port a cabin with with five students and three staff. And the staff room was a, a car in the in, in 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 the car park. He was just an amazing, an amazing human being. Um, He'd seen the life centre idea out foreign, as they say. Well, oh yeah, I, I mean another brother, Paul Hendricks, a great friend of Gary's, um, ha, had been out there and had started a life centre in Dublin, and uh, Gary had had followed followed him out. And he 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 just loved the idea of it. And when he came back, he looked to see. First of all, he did some research to see was the one needed, and he started the Life Centre as we know it today. You know, he he had a great empathy for, for the young people. He was usually compassionate, had infinite patience. He was a math teacher. And, I mean, he, he took everyone under their wing. I mean, me, all of my staff, I mean, particularly new volunteers that came in, Gary was just so unassuming. He would come with advice in a very, very nice way. Um, he always looked at at the volunteers that that joined us as as the future generation of educators. And um, he's left a huge legacy, you know, of caring for young people. Where was, where was he from, Dan? He was from Nash's Boreen. I mean, he 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 was a Corkman. He was a Fairhill man. Um, very proud of that. And as I said, it was ten in the family. Uh, he joined the brothers in 1958, um, and his life was was one of service, uh, service to young people, 
um, right through his career. I mean, he taught he taught in loads of schools. He was principal of Donnerail in particular, uh, Tremore, and he was he was in Doom. Um, and and he 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 just even when he when I took over as I took over as as director in two thousand and six, Gary remained as my deputy director. And even when Rachel Lucy took over as deputy director, Gary continued to teach maths in in the in the life centre. Um, right up until the time he got ill, yeah. and that was only a, a couple of years ago. But you know, Gary was the boss. Um, I, I always thought of him my boss. You know, um, I, I, I'd always question how Gary, how, how Gary have done this. You know, and I, I, I think um, having someone like that, having a visionary like Gary, and he was a visionary, and he was an educationalist, and I think he he just leaves a huge legacy in a void. That that won't be filled up, but we 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 will keep the life centre going, and um, that's Gary's legacy, and we want to ensure that continues into the future. You you spoke to me, Don, in my podcast a few months ago about your own story of getting involved with the life centre and about how you know how it was the job you would always have dreamed of doing, even though you didn't know at the time it was the job you'd always have dreamed of doing. How much of a role did Gary play in setting you in there in in the in the, mid, in the middle notice? You're huge, you know. I mean, I, I was coming, I, I was coming from from uh, a youth work background, and I, I was coming in there new. Yeah, loads of ideas. Uh, delighted to be in the job. Not but afraid to fight authority. No, no, no. Well, that 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 was always there. Um, but but Gary, Gary, Gary was a cooling influence and a calming influence, and you know. Um, I, I always say about the life centre, you know, it's a, it's a great place to be. You, you'll always smile there. But there are days that can be can be tough. And Gary was the one that went and made sure everyone was, was okay, was all right. Um, and, and he had this great saying, you know, young people would be brilliant above there and if someone acted out, he'd always say, it's to be expected. That's why they're here. <laughs> and, and he just had that 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 amazing ability to do that. I mean, you know, Gar- Gary Gary set the tone because there was no job beneath Gary. Gary cleaned. We, we still do that. Uh, Gary cleaned. Um, I remember out talking, and Gary was in well into his sixties at this stage. I was out talking in the gardens with with the, the chairperson of our board. And next we heard we were called. That Gary was on top of the roof. Putting down, um, sorting out, sorting out some lead that had risen in the roof. He would come in on Saturday and do the gardenings, garden. Um, he often hung down because there's a ledge over our place to clear bushes and weeds, and he'd hang off a harness down over the side. He used to give me nightmares, um, but he never listened to me. He'd say, "I'm older than you. I can do things." <laughs> Don um, Bronner and Boss, and my condolences on the loss of a man who I know was a close friend of yours, apart from anything else. Yes, yeah, a great friend, great colleague, my mentor, and someone I'll always look up to. Cheers, cheers. Uh, that's Donald Leary from the Life Centre. The death been announced of Brother Gary O'Shea, the founder of the Cork Life Centre. And given the work that they've done there over the years, we wanted to mark that on the programme this morning. 1850-715-996. Back to travel, Glendore to Ross Garbury. Got an awful pelting last night from the rain. Not only is the road flooded, but it has now been washed away in places, which means that the foundations of the road, no, we don't know what it's called. Is it the ground, whatever? What's under the road, like the, the dirt under the, yeah, that's now exposed in parts. So please be careful. Um, it's, it wasn't ripped up by the flood, 
but there was it's it's just very rough and rocky and dangerous and the damage it'll do will be very expensive so that's the Glendore to Ross Carberry Road in in shocking condition after last night's very very heavy rain uh, county council please take note do not leave it do not leave it get out there and fix it as soon as you can 1850-715-996 I don't know if you've heard of Club Piero no? you haven't? Yeah. Club Piero is the new nickname they've given to the pier in Skull which every weekend now seems to be the location for parties discos and people getting together and putting on their ghetto blasters and all of that do they still use ghetto blasters? I don't know. Bluetooth speakers now, I suppose. Big Bluetooth speakers. But they're partying on the pier in West Cork in Skull every weekend. And it's becoming known as Club Piero. But local TD Christopher O'Sullivan of Fianna Fáil says it needs to stop. Christopher, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I laughed when I read it, Club Piero. But listen, it's, it's not on. Yeah, and you know, you, 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 the first question you asked there is, have you heard of Club Piero? I'll be honest, right, I actually hadn't heard of Club Piero until this year. It was the first uh, time it was brought to my attention. And I think that says something, because Club Piero is something that's been on the go for apparently 20 years. It's become a bit of a, an institution down West Corkway where, you know, young people have gone and enjoyed themselves and done a bit of partying, mostly safe and quite sociable, the odd time getting out of hand. But... It's, I think the reason that it's really come to attention this year is because the year that's in it, because we're mid-pandemic, uh, because, look, there are restrictions there. We're in phase three. There's a limit of 200 people gathering outdoors. And we're being asked to kind of behave responsibly and social distance and, you know, wear masks where you're in a large gathering. And the reports and the phone calls and the emails and the, the Facebook messages that I'm getting in from residents, business people, um just concerned people down in the Skull area kind of demonstrate that that's not what that's not what's happening down in, in on the pier in Skull. Because it is, it is in breach of the guidelines. Clearly, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen any of the footage, uh, PJ, but I've been sent quite a few videos now where uh, there certainly is in excess of 200 people down on the pier, and uh, you know the, there is no social distancing going on. And look, I just want to be clear here. I, I'm not. I don't want to wage war on young people because I can't even begin to imagine what the last few months have been like for, for young adults in their late teens, early 20s, when all you want to do is get out and meet people and enjoy yourselves and party, and that hasn't been able to happen. So, you know, it, there's a responsibility on us to, to find solutions to that. But at the same time, it's just, it's the year that's in it. It's, it's a year where we've been asked just for, for, for this particular time to act responsibly, um, you know, social distance, I mean, we're not we're not stopping people. So I guess every, everywhere else they might normally go. Christopher is closed. Well, this, the thing about Club Piero, I understand, is that it's it's always been the kind of um, I suppose nightclub as such down in the Skull area because Skull doesn't have a nightclub so it's always been that place where young people have gone and gathered and after the pubs have closed at half 11 or whatever it is that's where they would go and hang out so it's it's not a kind of a new um, phenomenon that's come about because of COVID-19 but this year I suppose because of that pent up months where there was no um, discos and pubs etc 
I, this year it seems to have got a bit out of control uh, and it's just it's really the businesses um that are, you know that's why i've brought it to people's attention yeah. the business people the, the the hotel owners who have actually lost bookings and i've had people checking out of the hotel because of the antisocial behavior in the early hours of the morning they, they you know they're God, they're going through a tough enough time as it is, you know, trying to get by. This is their peak season. This is the only kind of few weeks that they have to save um, their season. Yeah. Yes, you know, they've had to put up with this. So, now, apart from the partying, and if it, people want to get together and party, that's that's entirely a matter for themselves. Like you say, they're in breach of the of the guidelines, and you prefer they didn't do it. But even if they are going to do it, they could at least stop doing things like happened last weekend when there was damage done outside the the central shop. Does vandalism follows this thing? Yeah, and that's kind of that seems to be a new phenomenon. I've talked to a lot of locals down there, and honestly, there's there's a, quite a lot of sympathy t- towards the particularly the local, local young people who, as I've said, this has been going on for years and years, and it is their kind of outlet. But this year in particular seems to have attracted. Um, I suppose people who are going that step further, I've seen images, for example, where uh, the wall, the stone on the outside of a wall has been ripped off and just left strewn along the road. Um, there's another video I was sent where th- along the whole area from the pier up to the main road is just strewn with uh, rubbish and cans. And, you know, traditionally, my understanding of what used to happen at Club Piero is that the young people would volunteer the very next day and they'd clean up after them and the pier would be left um, as it was but this year that's not happening it's just it's got that bit out of hand and you know I, I, I suppose firstly I'd appeal to people look let's let's take it easy just for the year that's in it and the, the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic you know I mean perhaps it's going is a step a too far Christopher, sorry to cut across you is it a, is a solution not just a heavy guard the presence and clear the thing to be fair to the Gardaí, they're left with very... Li- and, and they have been there, and they have been present there. And again, traditionally, they, 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 this event wouldn't normally be chaperoned, but the Gardaí would always make themselves known and just say, look, we're keeping an eye on things. But because the numbers have swelled so much, it's very hard to go down. What do you do? You, you take names, you take numbers. These people who are just looking for a bit of fun... Are, don't let them onto it. I, I wouldn't... Look... I suggested, I suppose, um, at the very start, because it was suggested to me the introduction or implementation of some type of bylaws that Cork County Council do have within their remit uh, to introduce, whereby uh, drinking alcohol would be prohibited down the pier. But, you know, I had a conversation with a couple well, I of young... I thought that was already part of the bylaws anyway, Chris, no, you the, can't the, drink in a public place. The, these bylaws don't exist down, down in Skull Pier, and, and, and my understanding is, is what... But has they been don't done exist, in, so they're never enforced. They, they don't exist on Skull Pier in particular. We do have them in Clonakilty, from what I understand. They have yeah. them in Kinsale, in that area, where there's actually bylaws implemented, and it does give the Gardaí that extra little bit of yeah, power. But, but, but having but said that, I, there, you don't need bylaws. The, the, the law of the land says that you can't gather in a public space and drink. Yeah, okay, that's, that, that, that's fair enough. But look, this is something that I, uh, the, the Gardaí would have, um, I suppose, Acknowledge the fact that Skull doesn't have a nightclub. Acknowledge the fact that Skull doesn't have an area where young people can go and after the pub is closed at half eleven. And they've kind of they've they've worked with the young people and acknowledge the fact that they need this outlet. It's just that this time it's gone a bit further. There, I, I look, I've, I've spoken to young people down there and they made a very good point to me is that why should their I suppose tradition of enjoying this time of year down on Skull Pier, which has always been done pretty much safely with the exception of a few occasions, why should it be ruined by the small percentage? Percentage who are uh, getting out of hand. So look, I, I think I think the implementation. I, I, I'm, sorry, of I, I, I'm not going to buy that one, and I, and I tell you, and I have great sympathy for them. But here, hang on a second now. We can't go to a match. We can't go yeah. to the pub. You know, we can't go on a holiday to Spain. 
but they are allowed because Chagas help us, they've nowhere else to go, hundreds of them down the pier, and there needs to be more done. Listen, hundred percent, and that is exactly what I've called for in the very first place. But at the same time, you know, I just don't want to wage war on young people who who do need an outlet. I think we have to have some of the sympathy. Yes, I am asking for this year because festivals can't happen. For example, the Baldy Hub Jazz Festival, yeah. which is very close to Skull, the, the Fast and Film Festival, which happens around Skull, where there would be normal gatherings. They've all been cancelled. These were all festivals that were run voluntarily. We can't have outdoor gigs. You know, there's musicians, there's events workers who are out of work because we can't have outdoor gigs. So you're dead right. And why should we... Why should, why, should we why should we make exceptions for Skull is, is the question that's constantly posed. But this is, this is what I'm getting at, is that for this year, the year that's in it, in the middle of a pandemic... I'm asking for it to stop and, and uh, for, I suppose, someone to intervene, whether it's Cork County Council. Um, Gardaí, of course, have a role in it. Um, I think parents and guardians have a role as well. Um, but I guess the, the, to have a blanket outright ban on, on gathering down on the pier, I think possibly is a step too far. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's um, you know, uh, probably a too blunt a tool. Right, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much, Christopher O'Sullivan, Finnafalti D for Cork South West Club Piero. I, to be honest, with you, I, I hadn't heard of it myself before. It's a clever name, but like we get it. They've nowhere to go. They've nothing to do. Breaking news: None of us have had a gig this summer. None of us can go to a match. A, hand, a handful of more can go to a match. So much has been taken from all of us by this pandemic. I'm sorry, they should go help us if nothing else to do. It's not working for me. Should it? 1850 Just on brother Gary O'Shea, uh, Tom Walsh, uh, long Tom, was, uh, uh, it says Gary was a colleague of ours in Brew Columbanus. He got on with the job with the minimum of fuss and he was a very respected individual. And uh, my good friend Martin Parfrey has also been texting to say that he uh, knew and liked uh, Brother Gary, very, very much, and may uh, he rest in peace. And on the subject of funerals and politicians, as we've been talking about, I, I must bring it to you. There, there's another politician being being laid to rest today, and you know, it's it's not it's not the done thing to say you actually like politicians on a personal level. But I did. I liked Paddy Sheehan on a personal level very much. Paddy and and his late wife Frances. Frances only passed away last week, and Paddy died earlier this week. Paddy was a Fine Gael TD for Cork South, Cent- or Cork South West for God knows how long. He was a bit of a legend. He, he really was. He died at the age of, of 87. But <laughs> I got details of his funeral from RIP.ie. I won't say who sent it to me. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a last canvas for Paddy. Um, the funeral is today. Starting at Tormore at 11.30. That's near Skull. And it'll pass through Durris at 12 noon, Valley de Hub at 12.40, via Bantry Cross, Skull at 12.55, arriving Goline approximately 1.30 for private requiem mass at 2. In other words, there's a little bit of a constituency tour for Paddy one last time. One last canvas for Paddy Sheehan, uh, the late Paddy Sheehan. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. You have now got just under 54 minutes left before we slam down the door and pull up the gate and block you off from any more voting in the Best of Cork Awards. We shut the voting down at midday and we'll be calculating the results 
and uh, announcing the winners on air tomorrow in all the categories. Um, Lads will start in the morning. Ross and Wayne will do it in the morning. I'll have a few. Ken will have a few and Lorraine will have a few. We'll announce them all day tomorrow. The winners in the various categories. The best Cork Awards 2020. We can't, of course, have an event. We'd love to have an event. We've had great events in recent years, but we can't do one this year, but we're still doing the awards. And you've got just under an hour to vote. You might go in and look at Best Gym and you might vote for Fits Fitness or Direct Health and Leisure or Body Mechanics or EMF Lifting and Laughing or Fit Balancholic. Total other end of the scale. Not be knocking the weight off. You might be putting the weight on with the best burger. You might be heading for Son of a Bun or for Bunsen or for Cockbull for the West Cork Burger Company or for Hillbillies Family Restaurants. Uh, if you wanted to go and check out beauty salons, well, our list of beauty salons would be Blush Beauty Salon, Divine Beauty, Sweetness Hair and Beauty, Devereaux Beauty Clinic and the Essence of Beauty. And, and I'll do one more because it's the last batch. Uh, our Best Takeaway Award this year if you want to vote for one of these five KC and Son and Sons in Douglas Murphy's of Blackpool Jackie Lennox's and Sorrento takeaway and the fry in Ballycolleg any one of those could be our winner so it closes at 12 go to www.96fm.ie and vote for your favourite in the categories now uh, if you're not in you can't be counted 1850 715996 back to masks in just a second there's uh, Donald has emailed us with some official advice which he says is from the HSE. I'll get to that in just a minute. But it wasn't a mask that was your problem, Paula. What, what happened to you? You went you went to a furniture shop. What happened? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yes, I did, um, PJ. I, you know, I had to travel quite a distance because I live in Black Rock, you know, mm. to get to this particular furniture shop, which is beautiful. They have beautiful stuff there, you know. Um, so when I like, like I had taken the bus, which which meant I would have had about fourteen stops to get from where I'm living to that shop. Right. And um, when I got there, I asked because there was a girl standing, and I asked her. I said, "Excuse me, I said, could you use the bathroom, please?" And she said to me, um, "I'll have to ask somebody there." So she she asked this guy who I never saw before. <clears throat> he said, "No." He said, "No." He said, "Because of the coronavirus, he said you can't." And I said, oh, my God. Do you know what, PJ? It's, 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 uh, we all have to, you know. Would, would, they, would they normally have a, a, a toilet for customer use? Well, there, there, is, there is toilets there. There, there are, yeah. But he, he, he just refused, point blank. And I said to myself, and I said in my own mind, I'm not going to be able to handle this here now. You know, I know now it's not a nice, very nice subject, but it's nature and it's, uh, it's something that we all, you know, as human beings have ah, to yeah. deal with. Ah, you yeah, know, four, 14 bus stops from yeah. the south, and yeah. you're on the number two, I, I presume, were you? That's right. The 202. 202. So yes, 14, right. 14 stops, that's a long... 14 stops up that's and a long time. Do your bit of business and you can feel yeah. nature wanting to do its and, bit of business. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I just thought like, that he could have been a bit more sympathetic, you know, yeah. if he wasn't. What, what exactly did he say to you? Sorry? What exactly did he say to you? He said, no. He said, you can't. Uh, I didn't like his attitude towards me. Like I mean, I'm a grown woman and a child, you know. Yeah. He said, "No, not hope." He said. But did he explain? Did he explain why? 
Yeah, he just very briefly, he said, no, he said, because of the coronavirus, he said. I said, fair enough, that's grand. Um, and I just took a look around and it was, <laughs> wasn't getting any easier, I'd put it like that, that yeah. yeah. And um, I did look over towards the bathroom, I was half tempted to run in, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but on the door, it said out of order, you know, yeah. on the bathroom door, it said out of order. So I said, it was, it was just torture, yeah. to say the least. So I decided, right, I, I, I can't, I have to go. So the girl, same girl was standing at the, at the, at the front again, and I said to her, look, I said, I'm sorry, I said, I'm going to have to leave here. And uh, she said, I was kind of, I was very upset, I was actually almost crying, mm. you know, I really was. And she said, look, she said, I'm sorry about that. Now, she was really nice, you know. Yeah. And she said, do you want me to ask him again? I said, no, I said, no, it's all right. I said, he made it very clear, I said that I couldn't. So I said, and I actually know the owner, you know, I know him from years back. Grown up, people same age me, and I said no. I said it's all right. I said it's believe himself isn't here. I said he, he might, he might, you know, you know, he might leave and go into the bathroom. I and, suppose, um, Paula, you know, and I'm not taking anybody's side in this, but I, I suppose that really. You know, it's it's tough enough to trade in in the middle of a pandemic with, with all yeah. of the social distancing needed and all of the sanitization and all of that that's needed. Uh, and if you don't normally have a toilet open to the public, like you have yeah. to keep the toilet clean and sanitized. Yeah. And and if you're going to open it for use, then uh, you'll have to clean it afterwards and all yeah. of that. You can kind yeah. of see where they're coming from. I can you? understand that, uh, PJ. But then, like, I. I just I couldn't wait to get out of the place. I just I took off, and um, like when, then when you went to Merchant's Key, you can use the bathrooms in there. I know there's something this long queue. I was only there a couple of days ago, and a woman ran up to me and she said, "Do you mind if I was next in the queue?" And she said to me, "Do you mind if I my child?" You yeah, know, but you see, they're they're publicly different. accessible. Toilets. Yeah, yeah, and so. one in Merchant's Key. But anyway, that's happened, uh, PJ. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I thought, like, you know... I'd say, I'd say you're not the only person that that has happened to, Paul. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. All I'd right, say thanks, so. Thanks, thanks for that. That's another experience people are having. That's Paula. It went from Blackrock uh, on the number two all the way up to the north side of the city to a furniture store. And uh, after 14 stops on the bus and a walk around the furniture store, nature was calling loudly. And no way was she allowed to use the, the, the toilet in the shop. And it was blamed on coronavirus that the toilets were inaccessible. <clears throat> not sure whether they normally have customer toilets there. Not a lot of places don't. There's no obligation on places like that to have a customer toilet. Had an experience myself actually when I was on holidays. Uh, we stopped in a garage uh, in Cold Rain in the north. Uh, a place called Moran's Garage. If you're ever passing through, tell them I said hello. Um, it's a centre as well. We stopped for sandwiches. Uh, drop a diesel for the car and that kind of stuff and I was absolutely hopping at this stage hopping to go to the toilet and I asked the girl behind the counter I said have you got customer toilets here she said I haven't she said I'm sorry we've had to close them from or for for the pandemic I said, where will I find one I said because I'm, I'm stuck and she said well you could go to, to McDonald's I said well they're not open yet so she said hang on she recognised that I wasn't local. So she looks at just for yourself, she says, just for you. I'll, I'll let you in. But it was so kind. <laughs> it was so kind. I was hopping from one leg to the other. She saved me day, so she did. 1850 but poor old Paula wasn't allowed into the toilet up in the furniture shop. Returning to the tragedy in Lebanon. Next. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie It's time to vote in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Go to 96fm.ie, check out the shortlist for all the categories, and vote for your favourite. Your favourite. The Corks 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Only on Corks 96FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Corks 96FM. Somebody wants to know why I didn't uh, ask Christopher O'Sullivan, the TD from West Cork, about travel expenses instead of going on about the pier in Skull, because the text says this is all people care about, the expenses. Yeah, but it's senators, and he's not a senator. Okay, That's why. And besides, people are interested in, in other things too. But I get your point. 1850 Yesterday on the programme we spoke to Tara, who's an MTV presenter and spends a lot of time in Lebanon and works on Lebanese TV. She's from Galway, but uh, that's where she spends an awful lot of time. And also to Mo, who is from Beirut and lectures at UCC. In fact, was only back from Beirut a couple of days before the massive explosion went off in the port last week that killed at least 200 people and injured about 5,000 more. And both Tara and Mo were making the point that the people of Beirut and Lebanon in general need aid and they need it now. But be very, very careful how you get it to them. Because they were talking about the corruption in the Lebanese government and how you should only give money to proper charities that you know it'll go direct to them. Give it to the Red Cross, give it to Medsans San Frontier, or there's a there's a hospital there, St George's. You can give direct to them. Concern have also issued a statement saying that they are now setting up an emergency appeal to help the victims of the explosion in Beirut. Breed Kennedy is uh, is with me. Good morning, Breed. Good morning. Looking at the pictures from Beirut every day and the video and all of that, it's it's such a it's a human tragedy. Is what it is, rather than just a bomb explosion or, 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 uh, or you know. Absolutely, it's a human tragedy, and I suppose before this explosion happened, uh, Lebanon, which is only about the size of Munster, it's a very small country, but it it was experiencing what we were terming a triple crisis. It has over one million Syrian refugees in there for the best part of the last nine years. Then it had the economic, a really, really deep economic crisis where the country is almost falling apart. And then more recently, it has the COVID crisis. And this explosion then on top of that, it has just added, you know, havoc upon havoc to the ordinary people. Many who have lost their jobs before this happened. And then this explosion has just intensified the number of people who have lost their homes, their jobs and the prospect of getting jobs and getting homes mm-hmm. again. Now, now, Beirut is is a thriving city. Uh, it, it's, it's a it's a beautiful place, and Tara and myself were talking about how it's you know it is a busy, lively, bustling, modern city. But on the outskirts and in other, there's a massive poverty issue there as well, and that's what you're there for. Concerns there since when? Twenty thirteen. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, it's ma- and, and it's the, the poverty levels are deepening. Um, I mean, Lebanon would have been a middle income country, but over the last two years, it's slipping down rapidly. And now it's estimated that more than 45% of its entire population are in poverty. And most of the poverty is uh, has been outside of Beirut itself, but now a lot more is, is in Beirut as well. And that that is deepening uh, the anxiety for for people living in Lebanon because they don't see a prospect of getting out of poverty unless that there is better governance and unless there's better job opportunities and more international support coming to help them. And that international support can be through aid agencies like Concern, where we have been providing um, a range of support, you know, sort of livelihood support, uh, education support, uh, water and sanitation, and and also what we call protection. You know, supporting psychosocial uh, problems that people are having, yeah. and we are bringing all that experience now also into our response in in into uh, Beirut as well. What's a particular problem? And again, Mo touched upon it yesterday. Uh, is the the devastation of a number of hospitals? major hospitals devastated in the explosion. So that adds to the problem. Absolutely. One problem is compounding the other. And as I was saying there with the COVID crisis, so already hospitals were stretched. And now with hospitals being physically damaged, many of the hospitals lost a number of staff uh, in the in the explosion. And many of the hospitals have injured staff and the buildings are, are damaged as well. So that, that limits the ability uh, of of the health response to, to uh, increased health needs uh, among the population. We've been told to be very careful to whom we give our money uh, if we want to help the people of Edmonton. Concerned, of course, uh, very well respected worldwide as an aid agency. So how can how can we help? So people can, and, and we are very grateful for all the public uh, donations that we have got uh, so far. Uh, because it is helping us with the response and people can continue to provide um, donations to us by calling uh, 1850 410 510 or logging on to our website www.concern.net. And what we're doing right now with, with the funds that we're receiving, we're supporting a lot of voluntary groups who have emerged to help with the cleanup because the place is just devastated. There's glass, there's rubble everywhere. And so to the initial physical cleanup, so to make the spaces uh, that people are living in safer for people to go around and uh, to provide immediate assistance to people who are made homeless. Um, so by providing them with tools, timber, plastic sheeting, so they can set up temporary homes. And the other day, it was a Tuesday, there was dreadful downpours of rain which is not sort of unexpected for this time of the year. But come November, December, it will be freezing cold and lots of wet uh, weather. So we're trying to, we're planning now to help as much with structural repairs. Now, we're not getting into rebuilding big buildings, but our focus is working with extremely poor and vulnerable people. So it's helping them with their buildings, you know, whether it's re-putting back in windows, doors, fixing the corners of their houses, you know, small engineering work like that. Okay. And concern.net is your website and that number, correct me if I have it right, 1850 410 510. That's right. All right. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's Reed Kennedy um, from uh, Concern. She's the regional director for Lebanon, where they've been based since 2013. Of course, based in Lebanon for many, many years, uh, the Irish Defence Forces. Now, they're south of Beirut.
They'd be about an hour, maybe an hour's drive south of Beirut is where the Irish battalion has its base as part of the UNIFIL operation has been there since the late 70s. But uh, army veterans are now getting together to uh, get some aid in place for people that they grew to like very much and respect very much uh, working in Lebanon with UNIFIL since 1978. Sergeant Paul Clark, Paul, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good. I figured it would only be a matter of time before this would happen because any soldier who, who spent time in Leb was impressed by the place. I mean, there, it was a hard work while you were there, but it's it's a beautiful country. Oh, it is. Fantastic. Yes, the work was hard. Operationally, it, it, it was hard. But also, we, we also were involved in the humanitarian side, uh, with the, some of the, particularly the, the Tibnin orphanage in, in, uh, oh, in the yeah. mission area. We've always done projects in there. And every, every unit that, go, that goes out now, um, and those that are there now under uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sean O'Farrell, the, the 116 Battalion, Train Battalion, they will do something as well now as a fundraiser as the unit itself um, and probably helped out. But uh, I, I, I'm with uh, IOMVA, Irish United Nations Veterans Association. You have Post 5 down in Cork. Uh, I, I'm in Post 1 here in Dublin. And we, we got together... To, uh, to to do a fundraise GoFundMe page, which we we've we have just on ten thousand euros at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, every Irish soldier that that served in, in Lebanon um, became familiar with the local families uh, and then and their families as well. And you know we have a great affiliation with the Lebanese, and this is one thing that we we all wanted to do. You know, yeah. I, I was saying to, to listeners yesterday so. So involved did the soldiers become. They learned language. They made friends. They, they went back on personal visits after their time was done. You know, it, it, a lot of soldiers formed a very personal bond with Lebanon. Oh, we did. And, and also the Lebanese learned. There were a lot, a lot, especially our C Company colleagues uh, uh, would have taught a lot of the, the young kids um, the, the Irish phrase. You know, we, we all, every soldier that served knows marhaba ki flak mopsut. Alhamdulillah. And we all know the phrases and, and some of the guys went forward to, to learn and became interpreters. But um, what happened on, on last Tuesday, the fort was just devastation. And, you know, people look, at it was an explosion. The damage didn't come from the explosion. The damage came from the shock wave yeah. that was caused by it. And if you look at all the footage and the video clips, you'll see it just this wave of just pressure of, of the local air that was pushed out from the explosion. Yeah. Uh, this is what done all the damage, yeah. and we we we've teamed up with the Irish Red Cross. Any funds that we get, we're going to hand over to the Irish Red Cross, and their counterparts on the ground uh, are the the Lebanese Red Cross. Yeah. They're providing emergency transportation to and from the hospitals for all the injured and people that have the the go for the the support. They're, they're doing temporary uh, accommodation for the. There's approximately 300,000 people uh, displaced. They're providing hygiene and sanitation, food, water, and as the, the last uh, speaker was saying, there, that they're making temporary uh, accommodation. Now, if you can imagine a, a damaged building and you're just getting sheets of plastic and wood to make up, you know, they're, they're sleeping on cold. Most floors in, in Lebanese buildings are tiled, though so you get after 8 o'clock in an evening them floors become cold, you know, so there's a lot to be done. Yeah. Uh, as you say, uh, and I fully agree, the corruption of the, the big money that governments will send 
to the Lebanese government. I just hope that that money gets right down. Our money, the, the, any money that we get, is going direct to um, Jocelino George in the Irish Red Cross. He's the fund raising manager and uh, head of marketing there. And he will accept that and get it straight on the ground to those that need it most, you know. All right. Well, if you go into GoFundMe and you search for I-U-N-V-A Beirut. Beirut. That will bring you, yeah, that will bring you to the, the, the GoFund. Now, if people aren't uh, computerized or, or on the computer, they can post a donation to uh, Derek George, the National Secretary of Oyonva Arbor Hill. It'll get there. Or directly to Oyonva Beirut, Red Cross, Marion Square, Dublin. Okay, and, uh, I, I, I knew it would be only a matter of time before before the Defence Forces came on board uh, to play their part in this. And, and thanks for talking to me. Well, it's all. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Cheers, that's Sergeant Paul Clark. If you want to get involved in that, go fund me. And I think particularly our military families in Cork, uh, many of them, many of our military personnel and their families would know Lebanon well and love the place, love the place dearly. The hard, the work was hard and risky, but the, many of them just fell so in love with the place. And they will be anxious to give to this particular GoFundMe. So it's I U N V A Beirut, and that will get you to the appropriate page. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Here's a, a note um, from the Dursey Cable Car people. It's closed today unexpectedly. Uh, the Cork County Council would like to apologise for any inconvenience caused, but we can continue to accommodate the locals. So presumably closed to anyone other than locals. The Dorsey Island Island cable car. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. It's really hard to describe the show. It's a bit of crack. It's a bit of a laugh on a Saturday. Yeah, that's what, that's it. Four hours straight, no stop, no break. There's lots of showbiz news. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of just laugh at celebrities doing stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> so good! Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Live. Why would a person want to listen to our show? Because I'm here. I mean, why would a person want to listen don't, to our show? Don't do that. <laughs> Lorraine and Demi Live Saturdays 2 to 6 p.m. On the best music mix Corks 96 FM This is Corks Gold Imro award winning talk show The Opinion Line With PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 0833969696 On Corks 96 FM Remembering uh, Brother Gary Again, the founder of the Life Centre, whose funeral is today. I had the great honour and pleasure of knowing Gary O'Shea well. I must say he was an exceptionally warm and gentle man. He'll be greatly missed by so many. May he rest in peace. That's from Martin. 1857-15996. Back to West Cork. Uh, Dennis O'Donovan, not the senator. Dennis, you're a, you're a farmer. Uh, I think you're in between Ross Carberry and Glendore. Uh, and they're particularly particularly badly affected this morning. That's right, PJ. Yeah, we had um, a huge amount of rain in a short amount of time during the night. Um, I think it woke me around quarter to three. I think is when it started. Yeah. Um, but even just before that, it was very eerie going to bed last night. It seemed to be very, very hot, very, very humid and sticky, and you I, I, you just got the feeling there was something coming. Unfortunately, 
and uh, the crack of thunder and lightning started and the amount of rain that fell was just frightening. Um, my son Owen actually bought me a rain gauge for Father's Day and I certainly didn't think it was going to be I was going to fill it overnight uh, in the middle of in the middle of the summer, that's for sure. How much um, fell do you reckon? So yeah, I have a rain gauge that holds fifty mils and it was bone dry obviously last night and when I got out this morning at six o'clock it was overflowing. Uh, so I emptied it out at that stage and it it uh, we had another eleven mils from six until nine while I was making the cows and it made another eleven mils. So that was sixty six in to- or sixty one in total and I'd love to know how, how long it was overflowing. That's the that's the six million dollar question. Yeah. So we had at least sixty one mils and I think we probably had a lot more. I was reckoning um, about maybe an inch and a half of, yeah, of, of, that, of, of rain that, that would be at least an inch and a half in, in, in the space of an hour or so so it did damage yeah. to a place now we would I wouldn't the river Rowry where's the Rowry Rowry River yeah it runs uh, it runs it actually it's in, in common as well uh, the, the same river obviously uh, when you're driving the main road between Skibbereen and Tanakilty at the uh, bad corners in Conanagh and that has been particularly badly flooded as well but we're on the narrow road the small, uh, smaller uh, boy road between well it's the main road between Ross Carberry and Glendore uh, the Rory River people would be familiar with it there where the tyre guy is Anderson's tyres yes. it's a compact bridge it's a pretty, pretty bad bridge so we're just up from that so the, luckily enough we're on top of the hill but all the water uh, left the land down onto the road tore all the road down as far as Rory on both sides from the Glendore side and the Ross Carberry side so the road now is in a particularly bad state and the disappointing thing about it is uh, we spent the last two or three years um, fighting with the, the council and uh, during the council elections to try and get the road um, resurfaced and a few jobs done to it and it, it had only just been finished I suppose it's six months and there it is all dug up now again so it's particularly disappointing It is a bendy twisty old road out yeah, to Tandor yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah, 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 not a great road, yeah. But uh, it, had, it had improved out, to be fair, and the council had done a good job. But there you go, sorry. I don't think any 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 water course was going to be able to take the amount of water that fell in the short amount of time. And has the water begun to succeed now, Dennis? Oh, already, yeah, yeah, already. Even this morning there, you can see from the photographs on Twitter that I put up, the, the tree eyes on the, the Rory Bridge were full. You couldn't take any more water, and sure, we just passed there now again while ago, and sure, it's down halfway already so um, yeah and now, and now you can yeah. see the damage says you you can see the damage now yeah absolutely absolutely it took the it took the top surface off the road in some places I'm told yeah that's exactly what happened um, I suppose when the road was redone uh, this time last year they put down a you know, the six to eight inches of of is it eight or two? They call it kind of a, a down and product. They tar over that, but just the amount of water that was flowing, it just got underneath the tar and started washing all the stuff away. There's a heap, a heap of hardcore and gravel down at the end of the at Rory Bridge now. Uh, a lot of work for the council to do now in the next couple of weeks, uh, which is look, it, it it's, it's disappointing. For I, I, I presume people would be okay to get in and out because they come down the back of the Union Hall Road and they get out that. Oh way. yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But was, was there I, I, flooding I, down in Union Hall? Was there any difficulty down there? Yeah. Don't know. I haven't heard anything in Union Hall. I'd say Glendore, the road going to Glendore from the Ross Carberry side must be damaged as well. It usually to get to it if it, if it makes heavy rain. So um, I'd say, yeah. And it's, look, it's particularly disappointing for them, uh, the people in Glendore who, who rely on the summer the summer business. And it looks like uh, the road is going to be blocked now for a while until the council get it sorted. Um, so it's going to be a disappointing time for the for the guys there trying to make a make a living out of this. Tough enough in these times for anyone in Glendore. Absolutely. Anybody in Glendore trying to make a few bob at the moment. Yeah. 
The season is short enough as it is, so this isn't going to help anyway. All right, listen, uh, stay safe and look after yourselves down there. That's Dennis O'Donnell, he's a farmer uh, down in the, between Ross Carberry and Glendore. The River Rowery bursted its banks there in the middle of the night. Savage amounts of rain, we reckon an inch and a half, maybe two inches of rain fell in the space of an hour, if not less than an hour, and did untold damage to that road. Uh, it's torn the top surface off the road, just torn off the tower and left it in piles and clumps and bumps it'll need huge repairs and at the moment uh, the main road is completely impassable with an ordinary car. Now I mentioned we'd come back to this uh, later this morning COVID-19 and the meat factories. It is a very significant issue with the meat factories and the conditions and the type of work that goes on and the type of accommodation in which many of the meat factory workers live. And it's with being such an essential industry to the economy, it's it's a real hard balance to, to, to achieve. The Irish Farmers Journal is breaking a story this morning that a factory in the south of the country is threatened with closure if it doesn't get its act together. Hannah Quinn Mulligan is their news correspondent. Hannah, good morning. Good morning. What can you tell us? So I guess it has been in the news and meat factories have been under enhanced scrutiny. We definitely know that. And there's concern, I suppose, amongst a lot of meat factory management that if they have another outbreak that they could potentially be temporarily shut down as has happened with Gildare Chilling. And from our understanding, we believe that a large-scale meat factory in the south of the country is on its final warning from the HSE that if they have one more substantial outbreak, then they'll have to be temporarily shut down. Now, it's not just the south of the country. We do know of a factory in the Midlands as well that could potentially be facing some issues, um, but that, that we're just waiting to see what happens there. So there is, as we know, the Oireachtas um, Committee is happening this morning. The unions have been in. They've, what they've really been calling for is an increased turnaround speed to this testing program that's going to be put in place by the government in factories. And this is really concerning because what we understand now is that Kildare Chilling is still waiting on 200 tests to be returned. So we know there are about 150 workers already have tested positive in Kildare Chilling and it now looks like they're waiting for up to 200 tests potentially still to be returned. And so potentially more cases and potentially a longer closure time for Kildare Chilling as well. For the layman, um, Hannah, can you explain simply for us why would COVID-19 become so rampant in, in the industry? Yeah, and it, it's a really a hot topic and it's been debated not just in Ireland, but also internationally in America. There are massive outbreaks in Germany. We heard about a massive outbreak that first that sparked the first localised closure in that country, similar to what's after happening here in Ireland. So fundamentally, what they think it is part of it is the temperature that factories are at. They're very cool temperatures. They're one or two degrees all the time. And uh, what that means is that the virus likes to spread in those cool temperatures and a study has actually been done recently where, you know, generally we think a two metre distance is needed to stop the spread of the virus. But research is being done now to show that in those low temperatures, you might need up to eight metres of a distance between people to prevent the spread. That's virtually um, impossible in a place like a boning hall, isn't it? That, that would be. And what we, what we hear is that the outbreaks usually occur in boning halls. And that's because people are closer together um, and, they're t- you know, they're quite loud in places as well. 
and we know that it travels through the air, this virus. So that's part of the concerns around that it just unfortunately seems to be an ideal area or conditions for the virus to spread in. How much of it is down to the fact that there are many uh, migrant workers in the industry and that it's not the most highly paid of jobs and that a lot of them they are we heard of 40 people living in in one accommodate one place of accommodation how, how much of that could be uh, could, you know adding to this and so Meat Industry Ireland have always come out and said that their members are abiding by HSE protocol and there's been about 26 clusters in about 56 meat plants around the country and now we have processing plants so there's meat processing, live animals and there's food processing not live animals, just to get that clarification to your listeners as well and so but the concern is still that obviously the meat industry has been challenged by this and we do know that the permit system that's the awarded permits are op- awarded by the Department of Business. Over 2,000 have been awarded over the last two years to workers from outside Ireland. Um, and the salary is €22,000. It's slightly higher if you're a deboner. It's €27,500. And workers from all nationalities, there's Chinese, there's Brazilian, there's Ukrainian, and they make up about 20% of the workforce in factories. So there have been concerns about people living together and about their ability to social distance because there's two things here. Obviously, if maybe, you know, if there's only one group, say 20 people who speak the same language in a rural area in Ireland, they're probably going to, you know, hang out together. So there's that social distancing. But also, if you're on a minimum wage, how likely is it that you will be able to social distance? Because if you're usually wealthier people have bigger homes, they have more options to socially uh, socially distance. Whereas if you're on a minimum wage, it's probably more likely that you're in accommodation that's shared. So it's much harder to um, socially distance. I guess as well, what we've heard as well is the story we covered was that there was a cork plant using a recruitment agency and uh, that recruitment agency had Romanian workers on sole trader contracts. Now, while the Romanian workers were physically working in Ireland, the sole trader contracts were based in Poland. So all their tax contributions were being paid in Poland, not in Ireland. So that was an issue when it came to um, accessing the illness benefit, benefit because you have to have a certain amount of Irish PRSI contributions to access the illness benefit. So those workers then weren't able to access it because they had Polish contributions, which were obviously no good for them when they had been working in Ireland. And some of those workers had been on those contracts for up to four years. And those contracts didn't actually, weren't actually stopped until uh, December last year, we understand. And that was following a a Department of Social Protection ruling um, on Mm -hmm. one case and the rest of the workers kind of came together and said, we're not working on these sole trader contracts, you have to put us on employee contracts. But still, by the time the pandemic hit, they still didn't have enough Irish PRSI stamps to get yeah, that illness benefit. Which is a very unfortunate situation. Hannah, it, you know, it's you, you hear the call, it comes in on our messages and all the various platforms every day now, just shut down the industry for a fortnight. Could you, and I did some research over the weekend, purely as a layman. I spoke to a friend of mine who worked in supply chain for retail for many, many years and I did a little bit of re- I, I don't think you could close this industry for a fortnight, could you? 
Uh, no, I don't think you could. And that's really unfortunate because I think everyone's primary concern is that nobody gets this virus. You know, no one, no matter what scale of the socioeconomic ladder you are on, no one wants to see anyone else get this virus. But it's been deemed an essential business because you have to keep animals moving through the food, food chain, especially in an industry, say, like the pig industry. And I know there's an awful lot of pig farmers in Cork. You know, for them, they're really highly skilled operators, but they need to know, you know, they're not reliant on subsidies. They're different to every other kind of farmer in the country um, and there's only about 300 pig farmers in Ireland. So if a, p- a pig plant closes down, say when Ross Darrow was hit in Ross Grey, um, we heard that some of the, say, pigs that were due to go, um, they were being pushed back a couple of weeks or they weren't able to take them and even the Ross Darrow was still processing was on a much smaller capacity and that had a knock-on effect on pig farmers in, in the country. So they're really vulnerable. Now for beef farmers, it's not not such a big a big issue if a if it be the cattle factory closes down because there's a huge amount of capacity there. Um, I guess another thing to point out is that with the closure of Kildare Chilling, Kildare Chilling is a large-scale operator. They process up to 15,000 lambs a week and up to 1,500 cattle a week. And while people might think that only farmers in that area would be impacted by Kildare Chilling, that's not the case. Like, say where I'm from in Limerick, we know that a big load of cattle go from Limerick every week up to Kildare Chilling because farmers feel like they're getting a better price. So it's not so much a capacity issue in Ireland. We'll probably always have enough capacity to process animals. It's a competition issue and farmers are really fearful now that mm. the closure of Kildare Chilling will mean that other processors uh, and other factories could try to use that as an excuse to pull down the price of cattle and sheep. And we know that from just from the tractor protests what were they, you know, last year and all the factory protests, how vulnerable farmers are. So it, what we're seeing now is this cheap food policy and it's hit farmers and it seems to be hitting factory workers as well. And, and the importance of the industry to the food chain, both here and abroad, in fact, the amount of exports from, from this country, it, it, it's mind-boggling when you look into it. Yeah, I mean, we uh, export 90% of everything that we produce. And it's something that we should be really proud of as well. You know, yeah. we're very good at that. And it's, you know, it's, our exports, or in terms of the meat industry are worth about 4 billion euro every year and, and there's been a lot of concern and a lot of talk about Brexit coming down the pipeline and the potential impact on Irish people and Irish farmers because of that but it is a hugely important industry um, to us and I guess what we're going to be hoping for with this new weekly testing programme that's going to be put in place, hopefully Neffet are going to sign off on, off on it today is what we've been told and then government sources have said they're hoping to have it in place by this weekend and we have some factory sources saying they'll have it in their factories by Monday. So hopefully that will help to prevent any more of these explosive outbreaks that we've seen in meat factories. Okay, here's hoping that it works out. Thank you very much. That's Hannah Quinn Mulligan, a news correspondent from the Irish Farmers Journal. Uh, Hannah, thank you very much. 1850-715-996. It's just such a massive industry of such key importance. But that's an interesting story in the Farmers Journal this morning. Warning, a warning has been uh, issued to one large-scale meat factory in the south of the country. We know where it is, but we're not at liberty to say uh, it'll be temporarily shut down if it has one more COVID-19 outbreak. And then she mentioned Kildare Chilling, which is a huge, huge factory. They're currently waiting on 200 test results from workers, and they already have 80-something cases in that one factory.
the Cork County Senior Football Championship, Cove Ramblers' reaction to their clash with Cabin Teeley, and Cork City's relegation battle with Sligo. Join Trevor Welsh for the score. The score. This Sunday from 2pm on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. We had a call about a gang in Mayfield last night that set a lurcher on a cat. Oh, dear God. And it screamed the block down. Guy, they were involved. Please tell people, be careful of their cats. There's a lot of publicity for stolen dogs at the moment. That's important. But these guys are out blooding lurchers. Mind your cat. That's not the first time we've had that complaint. Before I go, one more blast of this. I told you I would give it to you. This is the hub, the government's information hub, where you can follow the COVID-19 cases day by day, region by region. This is the website. It's a long one, so be be wary. www.covid19ireland-geohive.hub.com A-R-C-G-I-S dot com. I don't propose to read it all again. Well, there you'll find all the graphs and you can read them and find out when was the last case in Cork, how many cases there were in Cork. And you'll know where we're getting our information from, from day to day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.